0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Schutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: And you may not have noticed it amid the insurrection at the Capitol, and these are tense times, but the other thing that happened last week is that Democrats managed to win control of the Senate after winning two runoff races in Georgia, which is going to produce a 50-50 Senate with the new Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie, which gives Democrats marginal control, and that's really lifted their spirits in hopes of passing a really robust legislative agenda this year. Uh, They've talked about everything from starting, of course, with new coronavirus relief and And tax rebate checks being a top priority. But there's a lot of other things on their plate. They're talking about infrastructure spending, clean energy spending, uh, canceling student debt, expanding the Obama administration's health care law, maybe tax increases on corporations and the wealthy, and a lot more. And making all that happen in a 50-50 Senate is no easy task. And that's why you're going to be hearing a lot now about a procedural tool known as budget reconciliation. And that's what we want to talk about today to understand what that means, how it could work, and how instrumental it may be in if Democrats have any hope of passing even some of what they want to accomplish this year. So, Jen, walk us through a little bit. What, what exactly is reconciliation?
1: So the important thing to remember is that when passing a bill through the Senate, you don't just need a simple majority of the senators present and voting to get that legislation um, to the president's desk. You need at least 60 senators to agree to move through procedural motions known as cloture in order to formally begin debating the legislation and then move on to that simple majority approval vote. And so... Even though Democrats will technically have the majority in the Senate, once the two new Georgia senators are sworn in, they won't be able to do big, sweeping legislative packages over there unless they get at least 10 Republican senators on board to move through those cloture votes. And so one way around that is what's known as budget reconciliation, And budget reconciliation allows them to do sort of three big things in the Senate. The first is that they get around that 60-vote procedural motion. Um, So essentially, there's no legislative filibuster when you approve legislation through budget reconciliation. There's a 20-hour debate cap in the Senate, and there's a ban on non germane amendments in the Senate. And so that makes moving legislation through the Senate a bit easier for the party that's in the majority. Um, But you can't just, you know, say you want to move a bill through budget reconciliation. There's a process for this. um, And there's a lot of rules that determine what you can do under budget reconciliation. And so the first thing that we expect to see from the Democratic House and the Democratic Senate is that they are most likely going to do a fiscal year 2021 budget resolution that has reconciliation instructions for their first Legislative process under the budget reconciliation maneuvers. And so we're probably going to see that pretty early on. Um, And then once the House and Senate approve the same budget resolution with the same reconciliation instructions, that sends those instructions to authorizing committees, which then sort of report that legislation, if it's multiple bills, to the budget committees. And then the budget committees combine it into one omnibus. Uh, reconciliation package that then goes to the floor.
0: Okay, so the basic idea here being that instead of needing 60 votes in the Senate, which neither party has, you only need a simple majority to push it through under reconciliation. Correct. Um, but even that comes with a lot of strings attached. It doesn't. There's no guarantee here that 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 alone is going to work. And first of all, even to get the reconciliation instructions. Congress has to adopt a budget resolution. That's no easy feat alone, right? They've had years without a budget resolution.
1: So if we think back to what Republicans did when they got unified control of the House, Senate, and White House following the 2016 elections, they got sort of two bites at the apple, if you will, on budget reconciliation. And the way they did that is that they used the current fiscal year's budget resolution um, to set up their first reconciliation instructions, uh, which were to an attempt to repeal and replace the 2010 healthcare law. And so they used what was referred to as a shell budget resolution at the time, which it wasn't, they didn't really get into the, you know, internal policy debates about taxes and spending on discretionary and spending on mandatory and that big 10 year sort of 10,000 foot view look at how the government raises revenue and spends revenue on all these different programs. They just did, you know, kind of a quick, easy budget resolution that everyone referred to as a shell because everyone knew at the time that they weren't really using that budget resolution to debate the budget. They were just using it to get these reconciliation instructions in an attempt to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. And so... My best guess, and what we're hearing right now, is that that's sort of the likely play that Democrats are going to use the budget resolution for the current fiscal year we're in, fiscal year 2021, kind of as a shell to get that first batch of reconciliation instructions to the authorizing committee and get this process moving as quickly as this process can move in the United States Congress.
0: Yeah, and that's why they could have two cracks at the apple this year, because even though this fiscal year is already what a quarter over they've never passed a budget resolution for this fiscal year
1: well they've never adopted a budget resolution
0: for this fiscal year right so they could they could still pass that and do one for the next fiscal year at the same time almost or consecutively which gives them two resolutions to work with to put reconciliation in to push to push some programs through
1: Yeah. And the important thing that we should just remind people about the budget resolution is that it's not a bill. It does not get signed into law. And so this is Congress's tax and spending blueprint, essentially. And so if the House passes one version of a budget resolution and the Senate passes another version of a budget resolution, after both chambers conference that and agree to it, they technically adopt the the resolution. And so that's one path. Um, The Senate, if the House passes a budget resolution for fiscal year 2021, because the Senate is split 50-50, and it's likely that committees will also be split 50-50, they could just take up the House passed budget resolution on the Senate floor and approve it that way without having to go through the committee structure, and that would also approve reconciliation instructions.
0: So assuming they can get a budget resolution adopted, and we should say that's not easy because even among the Democrats, there are fights between the moderates and the progressives over spending priorities. And, and the Senate's always a, a drama with their voteramas, uh, taking endless votes on amendments to get budget resolutions through. Um, but assuming they did all that, they could put in reconciliation instructions and avoid the senate filibuster and they would only need to pass something with a simple majority vote which me, but it does there are strings attached first of all it has to be a budget related item but there are there there is much in the democratic agenda that you could see being eligible for reconciliation right i mean if they want to do major infrastructure spending that's a budget item if they want to expand the health care law that's a budget item it has spending repercussions uh, with healthcare subsidies, uh, if they want to do clean energy, if they want to cancel student debt. Those are all budget related items, but they could still have drawbacks, right?
1: Yeah, and so there's a lot of strings attached when lawmakers use the budget reconciliation process to approve legislation like this. Um, So there's three broad areas that the legislation can fall under, and they're pretty simple. One is spending, one is revenue, one is the debt limit. Not particularly complicated. Um, But where things do get complicated, as they usually do, is in the United States Senate. And so the Senate has something that they refer to as the Bird Rule. Uh, This has been around since the 1980s, and it sets sort of six parameters for what reconciliation instructions and reconciliation bills, uh, need to do in order to be approved across the floor. Um, and so there's four of those categories are considered, um, kind of like the big ones. Uh, One is that you can't touch social security through reconciliation. You're not allowed to do it. Um, it won't get through the Senate because as any Senator can raise a point of order, Um, which you need 60 senators to approve, to waive. Um, So you can't touch social security. Um, And point of order can also be raised if there's incidental changes to spending or revenue. Um, If it increases the deficit after the 10-year budget resolution, that could also get kicked out. Um, And then if there's any policy that's outside the purview of the committee or committees that got reconciliation instructions, that can also set you up for problems in the Senate under the Byrd rule. And so you can't just do whatever you want with budget reconciliation because of the parameters in the Senate that kind of set very clear categories for what these bills have to do.
0: Right. Um, So it comes with a lot of uh, caveats attached. But we should say, I mean, both parties have used reconciliation effectively in recent years. We saw the Democrats use it successfully to pass the Obama administration's big health care law in 2010. And then when Republicans took over in 2017, we saw them use it successfully to pass their big tax cuts.
1: Well we also seen it used unsuccessfully as well with That's Republicans right. effort to try to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Um, yeah, so reconciliation isn't um, uncommon. In Congress, uh, since its first use in 1980, about 21 bills have been enacted and four bills have been vetoed under the reconciliation process, according to the Congressional Research Service. So it's, you know, it's something they use frequently. It's something that both parties are sort of well-versed in, um, in terms of the parameters. And so I think right now it's just, it's going to be up to Democratic leaders in the House, the Senate, and the Biden administration to determine exactly what they want to do with this first set of reconciliation instructions. Um, You know, you sort of have to know what bills you want coming out of these authorizing committees before you write the reconciliation instructions. It's one of those examples where Congress actually kind of needs to put the cart before the horse um, in order for the process to run smoothly. And so that's something, those conversations are already well underway Um, between the Hill and the Biden administration. And so you have kind of, you know, top staff in the leadership offices and the budget committees um, trying to figure out exactly what they want this first package to be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, obviously one of the first items out of the gate, I think, will be more coronavirus aid. I'm guessing that won't be uh, reconciliation because they could just continue what they've been doing and declare it emergency spending and just try to push it through on its own? Or do you think they would actually try to use reconciliation for that?
1: We've been hearing um, that there will be some attempts to do what could broadly be referred to as pandemic aid through the reconciliation process. That's most likely going to be infrastructure spending. But one of the really important points to remember about the reconciliation process is that most budget experts believe you cannot use it for discretionary spending. And so if you look at the previous pandemic aid packages, um, certain elements of pandemic aid would most likely fall in the discretionary category as opposed to the mandatory category. And so that could give Republicans a sort of point of order objection on the Senate floor um, if They also believed that you cannot use budget reconciliation for discretionary spending, um, which is, I feel it's safe to say the general consensus view among people that I've spoken to about this issue. And so if they're going to want to, and the other thing is that if you can do a legislative item through bipartisan approval, you don't want to, you know, kind of eliminate your reconciliation instructions on something like pandemic aid, which can probably get broad bipartisan support anyway.
0: Okay. So probably they can do coronavirus aid on its own as they've been doing, but then uh, other items coming down the pike, they may well be turning to reconciliation to get them through infrastructure being a prime candidate.
1: Yeah. And the other thing you want to remember is that we've been hearing from Democrats in the Biden administration that on the next round of coronavirus aid, they want to move swiftly on that, especially as we've seen a lot of issues um, in terms of states being able to quickly distribute vaccine shots uh, to first responders and people um, above the age of 65, And so we know that they want to move pretty quickly on this next round of pandemic relief funding and the budget reconciliation process doesn't really allow you to move that quickly. You've got to write the budget resolution. You've got to approve it on both floors. You've got to, you know, have the authorizing committees send their bills to the budget committee. So the budget committee can combine it into an omnibus reconciliation package. You've got to then move that across both floors and then get it signed into law. And even if you have a lot of agreement ahead of time, you know exactly what you're doing with reconciliation instruction and the bills that are going to be coming out of the committees that get reconciliation instructions, it still takes time. And so, you know, if you want to move quickly to address issues with vaccine distribution or coronavirus testing or funding for hospitals, reconciliation might not be your best bet.
0: So we'll expect coronavirus aid to move on its own as emergency spending, but you can be sure you're going to be hearing a lot more about reconciliation in the months to come as Democrats push their agenda through. And CQ will be covering it all for you as always. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is CQ Podcast, one word at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.